Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny will get you ready for the NFL draft as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. That's the Mina Kimes Show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Uh, we got some NFL news to discuss here with our guest. Uh, check out the Mina Kimes show with Lenny, her dog. Check her out on NFL Live. She's all over the place. Mina Kimes, what's going on? Just listening to you do an ad read for my podcast and having to acknowledge... My dog, being the host of it, never ceases to delight me <laughs> because of how much it, it infuriates you. <laughs> it doesn't infuriate me as much as it's like, yeah, we're doing this. Okay. Like at the Game Theory office, we got a dude who brings his dog every day. And I got there and my thought was, oh, okay, we're doing this. That was all. I had no problem. I didn't have beef. It was just, oh, you're doing this. But then other people brought their dogs. and I didn't like their dogs as much as I liked the first dog. But what could I do? Because we're doing this. Have I told you why? Because it's like you, it's a solo show and I have guests, right? Um, but when I launched it, I was really nervous. It's been a while now, I guess like four or five years. I was very nervous that no one would subscribe to a female solo hosted show. So kind of as a joke with myself, I wanted a male co-host. My dog is male. He never speaks, but he ah. is the co-host of my show. So that's interesting because that means that like on podcasts, you were afraid that being a woman talk about football means you wouldn't get subscribers. And then on the rest of the internet, it gets you more subscribers than you ever actually wanted. Yeah. The podcast audience is uh, not asking for feet pics. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that, that's good to know. That's, that's, that I that's, know of. That's, that's much better to know. But uh, right before we got this crack and we're doing a little sorcery, we had to do a little early recording for various reasons. And the Tom Brady Boston Globe story dropped in our lap, except me and I both had the same question. How did this story drop on, what was it, April 8th? Yes, it's been out for a week. I, I, I'm i puzzled, right? It's, it like got a new life on the internet today, but I totally like, missed it. Like, what happened to give it the life today? Like, who's, who's patient zero, right, that all of a sudden started spreading this and then it caught? Because there are different people on the internet who can do that. Well, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, has been on it for a minute, which I actually think maybe had a suppressive effect because <laughs> every time he talks about everything, people just get mad at him. I, I'm, I'm no shade to Mike. It's not his fault. But, you know, he, he's fairly divisive, I think. And maybe him tweeting about it actually made people not engage with it. I, I really don't know what got it going today. Well, the thing is, Mike had been engaging in a healthy level of conjecture on the topic for a while. So I would have thought that even he being like, hey, guys, it's not just me. And for those of you who have not seen this story, this is the chain of events that Ben Volan has unlocked with Tom Brady. Now, you had probably heard the theory, and I'm sure I pushed it here, that uh, Tom Brady came back to the Buccaneers in large part because Bruce Arians wasn't going to be coaching them no more, and he decided, oh, to come back, which does appear to have some fact to it. Let Volan tell it, but it's so many more steps than you would imagine. So, okay, Tom Brady retires. As many of you know, Stephen Ross down there in Miami, big Michigan booster. He wanted to bring Tom Brady in like on a Derek Jeter type of thing where you would run the team and it would be a big deal. I don't know why he thought this was a good idea because it didn't work out that well for Derek Jeter, but whatever. That was the program. Tom Brady was on board with it. He had something new to do with his time. On February 1st, Tom Brady announces that he is retiring 
And also, Brian Flores later that day uh, files a lawsuit. Let's uh, everybody know that he's planning the suit of dolphins for racial discrimination in his firing. And at that moment, both Stephen Ross and Tom Brady, actually, I don't know about Stephen Ross, but Tom Brady looked up and realized, wow, we're going to hire a white coach and a white team president after the black dude just sued us. This can't happen. And so Tom Brady takes it back to the crib and is like, what am I going to do with my life? March 12th, he goes to a soccer game, a Manchester United soccer game, meets with the owners of Manchester United, who also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the next day says he's coming back to play pro football. It's too ridiculous not to be true, is my oh, all reaction. Adds. Yeah, it all adds. Because nothing added about the first version of this, right? Like, like I remember, okay, so February 1st, I remember where I was. I was doing my second Tom Brady retirement special on ESPN, trying to gin up more Tom Brady memories. <laughs> and then Flores comes in with the suit. And personally, selfishly, I'm relieved because I, I, it's something more interesting to talk about in that moment. And I remember thinking like, man, Tom Brady must be so pissed right now <laughs> that he's being upstaged. Like this is completely taken over the news cycle when he was totally pissed, probably for completely different reasons. Brian Flores effed up all of his plans if this story is true. Well, this is what I don't understand, though, about Stephen Ross. Even if Brian Flores did not sue you, the fact that you hired these white people for these jobs and circumvention. Oh, I forgot to leave that part. They mentioned that part. All these hires are going to be made in circumvention of the Rooney rule. And that was what made everybody fall back. It was not just they was going to hire white dudes, but of course they weren't even thinking about hiring black dudes. And this is what made them look. Not the fact that you just fired the black dude. Maybe you should interview a couple of them. Maybe three to be safe. Who's to say? No, it took the lawsuit for them to be like, oh, wow, this is going to look really bad. Damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fall back, fall back, fall back, fall back. Abort, abort, abort. This version of events also explains something that confused me about the Brady version, or at least the hypothesis that he was sick of working with Arians, which, you know, I was at the Combine, there were some whispers, you know, this is not, that was not entirely surprising, I think, when people started talking about that possibility. But if he really was tired of working with Arians, it didn't make sense for him to retire as like a mechanism to force him to, like, he's just freaking Tom Brady. All he has to do is walk into the Bucks office and say, <laughs> I want a new, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was too involved, like nothing about it made sense or the idea that he retires and he changes his mind now realizing that Arian again none of that makes sense this makes sense like it 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 suddenly like all adds up in my mind yeah you know what it tells me Tom Brady you're a lackluster ally buddy that's all I've learned in this you are a lackluster ally Stephen Ross Mr. Rise right he's the guy that's throwing the money around to try to fix inequality in sports remember he's that guy and he's also this guy. By the way, all of this, really great news for Brian Flores, isn't it? Would this not bolster the Brian Flores claim, right? Like, y'all was going to fire me and then not even interview no black dudes before y'all was going to make the next move. 100%. I mean, everything that's since then has been, there's a lot of things that have been bolstering his claim. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about the yeah. latest revelations, but like, yeah, this is huge for him personally. Like, the fact that not only did, you know, they mistreat him while he's there, but then perpetuated this sort of... Hold on, though. I got something else for you. It's a little early in the show for me to be dropping bombs, but I'm going <laughs> to drop it. I was just talking to a friend about this, and I'm curious your thoughts here. Did Bill Belichick just pull a Kaiser Soze move? Go on. Okay. Tom Brady <laughs> was going to go to the Dolphins. And also, by the way, part of this report that Volan has is that they were going to try to make this move also to get Brady eventually as a player. Oh, 
right? Just, like this was going to lead into a trade. That was okay. in the that was in the Volan report. Okay. I just followed, I just so, followed your thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 how do we get here, right? What appeared to be the last straw for Brian Flores, right? We're like, what seemed to be the thing that made Brian Flores go Michael Douglas falling down on the whole NFL? You know what that was? Is when he got that text from Bill Belichick that was like, "Yo, you're going to get the Giants' job," and he replied and realized that Bill Belichick was thinking that he was Brian Daybol instead of Brian Flores, and that's when the lawsuit came down. Now, 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 I'm just asking here, right? Bill Belichick hears that Tom Brady's got a plan to get himself back into the division as an executive, or maybe even to maneuver his way back onto the field. What if you blow this whole thing up? He know what kind of guy Brian Flores is. He know he's not a man to abide by disrespect. Bill Belichick, advertently or otherwise, set this whole thing in motion. Like somebody had a conversation with Bill Belichick and then looked up at the bulletin board after he walked out. And then it all made sense. This is just like Bill Belichick in football where even when he does something dumb, the coach on the opposite sideline is like, oh, but maybe that was on purpose. And now we got to like call timeout or the trade when the Patriots do like a weird trade, everyone assumes the Patriots win. This is like the natural extension of that. I love it for a couple of reasons. Bill Belichick has always underplayed his facility with technology. Like when he does those press conferences and he's like, whatever, snap face. You it's guys the are face. Using. It's a total bullshit. Right. Like the Patriots are very advanced. I mean, he's not an analytics guy or whatever, but he's clearly playing it up. Maybe it was all a long game because when the text came out, my reaction was like, this seems like real. This seems like how an old man texts and the precise way an old man would up via text. Here's the argument against that being the way that he would mess up on text. You ready? Belichick strikes me as the sort of person who calls people by their last names, especially if he'd been in a situation where he Mm. got two Bryans in the same place. Like, something tells me that when he need to send something to Daybowl, he put in Daybowl in the phone. When he need to send something to Flores, like, I don't know about you, but when I got people I search for in the phone and I know they might be doubles in a place, you eventually develop the habit and you go for their last name. What if Belichick, I mean, how the Boston Globe got, that's, that's the place this is coming out of. This is coming out of Boston. This is where the report is coming well, from. You know, now, a lot now, of Bra- Brady sources have been developed there over the years. Yeah, and I'm, and, but here's what I'm saying. The sources that Brady developed up there are Brady useless to them now. You know what I'm saying? Brady can't do anything for them at this point. Belichick's the guy that can do something for them. And as you and I have discussed, anybody you talk to around the NFL is like, yeah, this story kind of checks out. And it's like they knew it already. It's almost like people just been sitting on this, but nobody really had it in them to decide to bring this out to the forefront except the guy out of Boston. The only challenge I would, I guess, posit to your theory, which I, to be clear, adore and find to be delicious, (laughs) is that, um, I mean, it would be some real 4D chess on the part of Belichick, because as you remember, the text wasn't about the Dolphins, it was about the Giants. So he would have to be anticipating, you know, we're talking like multiple moves ahead. He would have to anticipate that the lawsuit would implicate the Dolphins in some ways, thus jeopardize, which, you know, may... Flores is obviously a Dolphins coach, but, you know, he went after the Giants. He, he revealed that the Giants were not operating on the level. Oh, what if, what if, what if, <laughs> what if? I'm just going to keep throwing stuff out here. I'm going to make this into something. What if when Flores got fired, Bill Belichick, being the rich white man that he is, called him up and was like, hey, you need to think about suing them. Yeah, you need to get you a lawyer. 
think about what's going. No, the way they're treating that, that's bullshit. And you should fight that. Okay, so yeah, this level of conspiracy now involves collusion between. <laughs> no, it's not collusion. It's all Bill Belichick oh, manipulating the game. Yeah. He just getting Brian Flores sized up. You see what I'm saying? And then once he gets sized up, you drop it in front of him, and then boom, away we go. He handed him the smoking gun and yes. then drove away. Is yes. basically what you're saying. Yes. And by the way, this report, if it was true, like they ain't going to take Stephen Ross' team from him, but it should establish to you that this dumb man is going to wind up getting y'all in trouble one way or another by the time it's over. Like, we already there, because Brian Flores is going to take this to discovery. Setting aside, like, the Flores aspect of it, the audacity to try to collude with Brady, essentially, on a fake retirement Bring him into your organization under false, which is what the story suggests. I'm not saying it's true. We got, I got to use more allegedly's here. Yeah. Uh, bring him into the organization under false pretenses, eventually sliding him back under center when things have cooled down a bit and you've convinced the Bucks to do a trade. That is insane. Like, I... <laughs> the balls to do that. By the way, Brady. I mean, I guess you just went to literally the worst franchise in the history of the NFL and made it work. Like, I know the Bucks have these two Super Bowls that kind of skew it, but by winning percentage, I think they are still the worst franchise in NFL history. So maybe you just feel like you could do it anywhere, but I'm not confident enough to be like, I can do this with the Dolphins. So it's the tea leaves. Bought the houses in Miami or a house, which yeah. when the rumors were Brady is quarterback, people were like, no, it's never going to happen. And... But the houses do that. They, they're relevant to the story. Dude clearly had interest in being in Miami. The fact that the retirement and unretirement made no sense. There's no real explanation for it, knowing how he approaches everything. Um, the timeline with Arians made no sense. I can't think of a better explanation for how all that shit went down. Yeah, yeah. Wow, man. But again, fake ally. Fake ally, damn it. Although I guess he never actually was said he, ever, he was an ally. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, I, guess, right, I, guess, right. I, guess, I guess he did not actually do that. But that's what I'm talking about with Ross. This sort of circumvention of the rule and it becoming public, right? Like that's the thing that got Donald Sterling in the end is that this stuff went public. Now, again, Donald Sterling is embarrassing in a way that Stephen Ross is not. But this Brian Flores done blown up all of Stephen Ross's stuff, even when he wasn't doing it on purpose. Yeah, but his, that was already lost with the Kaepernick stuff with Steven Ross, right? Like, I feel like back then, some of his comments, I can't remember the exact comments he made, but he kind of lost his credibility on that front, I think, years ago. This only just reminds people that it was really never there to begin with, potentially. Yeah, but also, I love the idea, though, that Flores is trying to make sure that nothing Steven Ross ever plants again gonna grow, <laughs> right? Like, 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 I don't think, did, did he know that he would be ruining the Tom Brady plan? I doubt it, right? Like, that seems impossible. But no. if he had got a whiff of that, can you imagine that? If he had got a whiff that they, yo, we are, they don't already figured out who to hire as the coach and who they gonna bring in as president. And he know Tom Brady? Like, oh, not Tom, Tom, that's my man's. I got to go back and look at who they might have hired. I'm trying to remember the people they interviewed other than not when my they, coach. They when, they may have act, when they may have accidentally hired a black dude. But uh, I think they Dable interviewed there and maybe that was the one. I don't know. I'd have to look at the timeline of hires and interviews. But um, it, it, back to the question, though, of why like more people aren't giving attention to this story. I did mention the Florio aspect. It also is like when you read the story. No, this is not 
like I said, Ben Volan, like, if this is right, this is, you, you went somewhere other people didn't, you found some stuff. But there is a little bit of the, you know, it's always sunny guy at the wall with the yarn, or you on your show yeah. last week. Yes, <laughs> I mean, yes. You're the new, no, you're uh, right. It is not the most rock solid reporting that like we've Rich ever Orenberger seen. Like Rich Orenberger is really <laughs> used. It's like a, um, yeah, so, but it's, again, it's one of those things where, like, it's less almost the sourcing and more the finished product that it makes it convincing because everyone who reads it's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And is yeah. he going to deny it? Uh, Tom Brady is rich enough to just act like it didn't happen. Like yeah, the I fact think, that yeah. this thing sat out there for days and nobody noticed it means, oh man, all you got to do is lay low. I mean, I'm going to talk about it here. I'm going to talk about it again with Fosworth. But uh, these other people, apparently, they just go, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, wow, isn't that a thing? And then something else going to happen. And then we just keep it moving. Yeah. But like you got to remember in this world, everybody could be Gary Condit if you just lay low for just a little while. God. I wonder if people remember Gary Condit at this point. I just want to lay out the facts of this story is alleging that the greatest quarterback in NFL history orchestrated a fake retirement to get onto another team under false pretenses through ownership only to unretire there and be their quarterback. <laughs> and that it was all blown up by potentially the most meaningful lawsuit in the history of the NFL. <laughs> How the f*** is this not? Right. It, was all blown, it was all blown up by the last man of principle in the league. I just, can you imagine Stephen Ross's reaction? Because, again, like I talked about how Brady was mad because his spotlight was stolen. Stephen Ross mm. sitting there. Everyone, we're all thinking, oh man, he's upset because he's being accused of tanking, which he probably knew could be proven. He's upset because Brian Flores just wrecked his plans for hold on, hold on. the did, next hold on. five years. How long did it take him to know it was wrecked? Did Tom Brady have to call him and be like, nah, dude, oh. dude, 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 no, yeah. we can't. We're we can't. I, well, I can't. How about that? I can't push through this. But yeah, yeah, not. No, no, no. You can, you can, you can have that, homie. You can, because that wouldn't that then be effectively usurping the power of Chris Greer, the other black dude in the operation. That's right. Like the fact that he ever thought in the first place that wasn't going to work tells me that that news isn't what got him to move off course. Tom Brady had to call him and explain, like, "Yo, man, the hood love me, dog. I'm trying to go back." Do they? <laughs> Respect. I think he he's achieved like the um, you know those charts those what are they called where they have like chaotic evil chaotic i yes. think tom brady has achieved true neutral in the eyes of most people and maybe not yes. not fairly by the way i'm just saying i think that's kind of where his public perception has ended up yeah he's one of those guys but like the dudes in the league level you know what i mean like there would be a lot of room to be resentful of tom brady and he walks in a locker room and owns it like people think this is corny but i actually respect him on that like him introducing himself whenever you meet somebody and yeah. people are like dude you're tom brady you don't have to do that yeah but the one time you don't like, I think I told you about the time I, was, I went to a dinner and I was across from Anna Kendrick. And then when she left, I was like, she's famous, isn't she? And they're like, yeah, yeah, she, she's a pretty big deal. I had no idea. Like, you're going to find the one person like me who doesn't watch movies. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard a teammate speak poorly of Tom Brady. So I, I do think that goes a long way. And then I also think he's extremely gifted at saying nothing. So yes. aside from the, uh, you know, the infamous hat, he has managed to not offend people for 20 years, which in and of itself, a pretty incredible accomplishment. Has he even worn a hat since then? <laughs> like, is no, he, like, is he letting anywhere near a hat? He's, he just gets fresh hair updates, you know, <laughs> once a year. He doesn't need a hat. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. 
Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This Buccaneer season, though, is just going to be generally interesting for me because they're not going to be as good as they were two years ago. And there are great reasons to be skeptical of Todd Bowles as head coach. You're a Bowles hater? I am not a Bowles hater. I can entertain the possibility that he's improved and learned you know, and to be fair with the Jets, I mean, the best quarterback situation he had was that year that, uh, what's his name, Ryan Fitzpatrick was pulling horseshoes and green clovers out his ass all year long. It wasn't set up for him to win, but you could isolate some of his coaching decisions and say, hey, I don't know about this guy. Like, it's not a lock that he's going to be the one to get this right. Two incredible things happen here. One, a black head coach getting a second chance, which yes. obviously rarely happens. Two, getting probably the best opportunity that any black coaching hire has maybe ever had in the history of the NFL? Uh, second to Tomlin. Actually, I would say the top two are Tomlin and Caldwell. Yeah, I guess the first year. It's hard yeah. to not associate that with just like debt failure and sadness, but you're right. That roster was not that bad. I think this Bucks roster is pretty good. I think I think they're better than you'd think, Bomani. Yeah, but to be fair with Caldwell, when he got that Colts job, we thought that the Colts thing was falling off. And then yeah. they legitimately had a chance to be 16-0. So, like, you know, it kind of goes in between. But, no, this is a great setup for Bowles. And I think where it's a really good setup for Bowles is he is not a man I would trust to hire his own offensive coordinator. And now he doesn't have to do that. That's already set up there. Like, if all he's got to do is just pay attention to the defense and let Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich run the offense, then, yeah, it can work. That's why Tom Brady liked him as the head coach. Every time he's come in and coached a defense, they've improved every time. And this Bucks defense, you know, since he's gotten there, has been incredibly good. So I don't expect much drop-off. I mean, I, I think it's between, I would say, like, them and the Rams are the in, in the NFC. And then, of course, they benefit from the fact that the NFC sucks. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they get back there. The NFC South, in particular, is its own unique brand of boo-boo. It is. Like, like, what are we talking about here? The quarterbacks are Tom Brady... Whatever happens in Charlotte, Marcus Mariota, and what's left of James Winston. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, no. just getting to play the Falcons and the Panthers twice a year, you're already, you know. The Bucks are probably going to be the only team in that division to go over 500. 
Like, you realize this? Nobody's going to be able to say they went 500 anymore. I think that's an underrated part of the 17-game season. <laughs> Everybody's either a winner or a loser. No in-between. I mean, but that, okay, this is connected back to the theory and all that because Brady unretired in time to basically change the Bucks offseason, which, again, like, you have to consider it on the calendar of these things and the order in which they happen. But that's huge. I mean, that roster had so many holes. And all of a sudden, I was doing team needs ahead of the draft, and I was looking at the roster, and I was like, safety? I don't know, <laughs> like depth? You know, when you start saying depth, you know you're talking mm-hmm. about a really good team. That's like this. He, they brought most important players back. I mean, they were able to keep Carlton Davis on a very reasonable deal. I didn't see that happening. Traded for Jack Mason, which, by the way, now I'm surprised Bill Belichick did that. But um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be really good. I don't know. I'm not worried about this team. I think it's interesting to ask, like, from a football perspective, is there any reason to go to Miami? I don't really think so. But I think it was about more than football for him. Yeah. I don't keep assuming that the 45-year-old is going to keep playing at an all-pro level. By the way, a 45-year-old that just a couple of years ago looked like he couldn't throw anymore. Like, I haven't forgotten about that last year in New England. Like we uh, and, and, and much of the first year in Tampa. Remember when they had to stop throwing out routes? You remember 2014 when Brady looked cooked, that the Chiefs I don't game? want to talk about that anymore. I'm not calling the bottom. It's like trying to catch a falling <laughs> knife or whatever. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it with Tom Brady. Like, normally, once you can't throw the out anymore, it's over, right? When your out routes are turning into pick sixes, it's a wrap. And then it was just like, okay, we just don't throw outs anymore. And apparently nothing was wrong. Like, he was throwing wobbly spirals that last year in New England, and then it just stopped. You make a great point, which is it's not just that he's kept the cliff at bay. It's that he's dropped off and then risen twice now. And I'm just not betting against Tom Brady. Dude, that 2014, I'll just never forget me and Dan. And we had all the explanations, (laughs) right? Because we're just like, yo, these things, they whittle away, they whittle away, they whittle away. And then you look up one day and you're like, oh, my God, they're not good anymore. And then we looked up four months later and they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. Do you want to talk about them? (laughs) Yeah, I kind of do want to talk about them. I'm I'm here. Because I can't think of a team that's ever traded away a quarterback that good just because they got sick of his sh**. They really did. (laughs) That's basically what happened. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of reasons, I think, too. I think they didn't want to pay him because they feel like he's declining, which, you know, will be be interesting because, you know, he he really struggled over the last couple of years. Obviously, he had the big injury last season, but um, definitely not as as elusive as he's looked. And elusiveness is a – I was thinking about this. I was talking about Malik Willis um, uh, on my own podcast because he's six feet and – as a result, he doesn't really use the middle of the field. I don't know if you had a lot of chance to watch him yet. I, l- I really like him as a player. He's really, really exciting. But it reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson in that way. When you're short, Baker Mayfield, you know, you, you watch Sam Howell. You see, you don't really use that part of the field. But if you're super elusive, yeah, right, it doesn't matter. Because you saw this with young Russell Wilson. You see it with, with Willis. You're able to, um, you know, create lanes for yourself with your movement ability. And I think they probably felt that as his movement ability declined, he wouldn't be able to play at a high level, meriting the kind of contract he's about to get. I'm not justifying it, but I hated the trade and I hate my team right now. But I think their <laughs> feeling was, you know, as we talk about like this Tyree Kill contract and stuff, a lot of times it is like, hey, we don't want to pay this dude $50 million next year, the next three years. So Yeah, and he's 33, 34 years old and he's taking 40-something sacks a year. Like Last that's sacks. that's Last not sacks. an off year, that's a year. That's just what happens with him but you brought the hill the hill trade was interesting to me because this does seem to be an interesting nfl era in that trades are like back in style 
Like yeah. when I was younger, you there were blockbuster trades, and then you basically had like 10, 15 years where the blockbuster trade just didn't happen very much. Now we're seeing these big trades all over the place, in large part, like in Kansas City, it seemed pretty amicable. They're like, look, we're not going to pay you. We'll find you somewhere that will. Okay, cool. Hey, thanks for the memories. And then he's gone, and then they go. And that feels like a whole different thing than what it was five, 10 years ago. Yeah, and with obviously the Adams trade, like it, we, to see like two of the top four players at a position get traded. I mean, I think the contract thing is huge in both of those cases. You got two teams thinking, well, yeah, these are the most important player on our team other than quarterback. You know, they completely changed the way defenses play us. But either, you know, I think they're both like 29 or something or Tyreek can be 28, but we don't want to pay them this kind of money. Um, for different reasons, I think. With the Packers, they're pretty capped out. And I think they just felt like, you know, they'd have to make too many sacrifices elsewhere on the roster. Didn't love that. The, the Chiefs trade I actually found more comprehensible because with Green Bay, like, you got to win now, she said after just talking about how <laughs> Tom Brady. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need avocados. You got to win now. With the Chiefs, their quarterback's 26. So, like, to some degree, I understand the criticism, like, how would, why would you do this in the prime of his career? But the prime of his career is going to be like 10 more years. It's actually not yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then they just extended their window. And I think to the points about Wilson, you know, Tyreek Hill is a speed ride receiver. And so it's not like incomprehensible to me that a team would say, mm, we don't want to pay this guy $28 million a year in two years, you know? Yeah, see, I think he's going to be fast forever. Like, really? there, there's there's some dudes <laughs> that are just fast forever, right? Like, Joey Galloway was fast forever. Tyreek Hill's fast. I, I think Randy Moss, fast forever, right? Like, I think Randy Moss, right now, you're going to need a safety over the top. He walks out <laughs> of the studio today and gets out there. I, I think Hill is one of those fast forever dudes. And, and I don't have a science to determine who the fast forever guy is. But the one thing about Hill is, like, if he loses a step, how many has he still got? Like, is that still two steps left before he gets down to only being, like, very fast? Totally fair. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to think of, like, older, like, receivers over 30. Like, when did Deshaun Jackson start dropping off? Oh, it, it was well into 30. Because Deshaun Jackson... He's pretty old. He is now, like, 35. He was still pretty damn fast, like, two years ago. Yeah. And then with Miami, you know, their roster construction is so unique in that they have two really fast guys, and that's going to make it easier for Hill as he enters his aging curve to have another guy who stretches the field the way Waddle does. They need horizontal stretching because it ain't like that boy they got playing quarterback and throw it far, right? Like, they need somebody that can instill some fear after he's got the ball in his hand, and that's what I feel like Hill and Waddle give them is that kind of, you know, that scat back kind of feel. Has two and on come for you with these takes yet? <laughs> they don't be looking You know about me. two and on, right? They still believe. The, the, yeah. <laughs> Dolphins fans are low-key the craziest fan base on the internet. I, I, I had no idea until I had the a disrespectful take that the Dolphins offensive line was not good two years ago, which apparently was it roused so much unexpected ire that I, I it was my it wasn't too and on, but it was my first encounter with Dolphins fans. Since then, the national media's hatred of Tua has incited this like rise of almost like a like a sect like a like a separatist movement uh just saying that we don't understand how good Tua is so like his rookie year I saw moments where I thought he looked really impressive but they were moments and he's another little guy you got to have a transcendent skill or transcendent something to play at his size as an elite level NFL quarterback and I don't know what his elite level thing is yeah I mean coming out of college 
thought it was the accuracy and I mean I think we're kind of now only coming to realize how hard it is to evaluate the Alabama players but you know I think the hip injury really f***ed him up yeah. a bit because he did have pretty impressive mobility back then too. I go a little bit easier on him than some of my peers because the offensive line really has been just amongst the worst in the NFL. Yes, I mean, it's, it's it's a nightmare. So when you watch that offense and it's like, oh my God, another RPO. Like, it's so hard to call plays for an offense when you have that offensive line. You have to throw out half of your playbook. Now, what's concerning is the lack of creation separate from that. Like the lack of him, you know, making plays, throwing on the move, stuff we thought he would do. But this is going to be his last chance, I think, and he's certainly being given the tools to succeed. Yeah, how crazy is it? Your last chance now in the NFL is three years. Yes. Three years. That's all we're giving you, little homie, and we knew the first year you were going to be hurt. You know, I think, um, when did they have to pick out the fifth-year option? I think Dan- it's right after the draft, so Daniel Jones might get five years up in New York. Yo, man, that guy, I had forgotten about him there for a long while. He's still up there. Yo, I, now, you talk about the two anon situation. I ain't never seen people lie to themselves quite in the way that I see Giants fans do it with Daniel Jones. Like, they just they just can't give up, man. They they holding on to hope against hope against hope. And I just don't see where their super cause for optimism is with a turnover machine. I think it's the same argument that Dolphins fans make for Tua, which is the situation has been so awful, which I, I, I'm, I might be making that argument for Justin Fields two years, considering what they've surrounded him with. Yeah, see, I've never been sold on him. Like, look, here's the I thing. I'm not, here's I'm not, what I'm, I'm like here's that. what I'm not allowing. That Josh Allen thing ain't gonna shake my confidence. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like it Josh has shook Josh, at me. Josh Allen had to ruin the potential. Like, I can just say I was wrong. I wasn't wrong. I mean, I say this. It worked out for Josh Allen and the Bills because I still don't think I was wrong. I just operated with all the. Okay, I gotta say I was wrong just because he turned out to be good, but. It was in the face of every piece of evidence that was presented to us other than hope, right? It was totally in spite of everything that we were seeing with our own eyes, except for the raw talent that he displayed. But I don't worry if I'm not seeing like this raw talent. I saw why you thought Josh Allen might turn out to be good, even if I didn't think it was going to happen. It wasn't one where I was like, I have no idea why you would think such a thing. I'm looking at two and I don't really know why you're saying that. Like if I had never seen him play in college and all I saw was him play for the Dolphins, I'd have no cause for optimism. I think the flip side of that, though, is like Josh Allen and to a slightly lesser degree so far, Justin Herbert landed in like the perfect situation, right? Like what the Bills did around him from coaching to their roster is like a case study in how to make things better for a young quarterback. So when I look at guys like Fields or maybe this next year, like a toolsy player like Malik Willis, I want to be optimistic but you're right, I'm, I'm skeptical that Josh Allen is going to happen again, not only because of just it being historically unprecedented, but people mocking Malik Wells to the Lions, man. Like, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. So I think you're, you, if you make that kind of bet on upside, you're betting on multiple things to go right. Yeah, I don't want that for Malik Willis or the Lions, to be honest, right? Because like the six foot quarterback is the experiment. And I, don't, I think you and I have talked about this a little. I'm team Dan Campbell. I've warmed to him. Like, I want good things to happen to Dan Campbell. I see a guy that everybody around likes him, and he out here trying to do the Bruce Arians coaching hiring thing himself, man. Like, I I see all kinds of reasons to root for Dan Campbell, but he do still coach the Lions, and I just feel like that bringing in your impish rookie is not the business. One thing I will say about the Lions, as much as we owe the Lions them, you know, um, they do have a weirdly good offensive line. Like, they, that's where they focus, right? On their offensive and defensive, they don't have an edge rush, but the interior of the defensive line. And so, like, all these young quarterbacks we've been talking about sucking have played behind the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So, 
you know, there's obviously holes elsewhere on the roster, but if whatever player, whatever quarterback they get eventually to replace Jared Goff, whether this year or next, is walking into a surprisingly decent situation. I'll say this, though. If I'm the Lions, if I'm guessing on a quarterback, but I'm sure about an edge rusher, I take the edge rusher. That Miles Garrett draft, nobody bangs on the Browns for taking Miles Garrett instead of Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Like, yeah. if, if the, if the, if, like if the dude from Georgia is what they're saying, if the dude from Oregon is what they're saying, I don't really, the Hutchinson dude, is he that dude? I think all three of them are good. My rankings, personally, are Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Walker, but I think they're all good. I don't think any of them are Miles Garrett. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I do feel like if you're talking number one overall pick edge rusher, you're talking to Miles Garrett, even Clowney, where all the criticisms you can have of Clowney. Clowney was a hellraiser when he was making this thing happen, right? Hutchinson seemed like, hey, it seemed like he'll be a good player. I want to say something else if I've got the number one. If, if I'm saying that about the guy at number one, I'm trading out. Yeah. Problem is, it's a good wide receiver draft. It's a good edge rusher draft. Um, it's a really good offensive tackle draft. But I don't think any of those guys are sure. Like, not sh- a lot of them are sure things. Like, I think they'll be good in the NFL. But I don't think anyone looks at any player and is like, "That's the dude." Like mm-hmm. that he, that guy, that tackle or that receiver. The receiver class. Everybody's got the rankings all over the place. There's a lot of good, but nobody really knows if there's elite amongst any of these players. Certainly amongst the quarterbacks, but even separate from quarterbacks, there's no like obvious like, oh, this is the man. And I think that's going to make things kind of complicated. Well, this dude wouldn't go number one, but you big on the Hamilton dude from Notre Dame, right? Love him. He is the dude. The problem is he plays safety, but he is like probably the most dominant like at his position of any of the groups in this draft. I see that. I love him. (laughs) I think he's so good. This is the year that I've been, because I've had my head on my keisha with this other stuff. I'm like the least familiar with draft stuff. So I watch the draft and everything's just going to be a big old surprise to me. And I actually think it's more fun that way. Yeah. So for me, because I was traveling so much this year for NFL Live, I didn't catch a lot of college football to the end of the year. So I just went into straight cram mode. And I'm like, oh, this guy who everyone likes. Yeah, I see why. You know, it's just like kind of learning on the fly. But it's also complicated because when you're taking like a player's entire body of work in like a half a day it's like so devoid of like the normal flow of a season you fall quickly like I didn't watch Kyle Hamilton because you you know he didn't play that much this year and he has the FSU game which just google Kyle Hamilton FSU and you'll get it but (laughs) I didn't watch much of him and I put him on like before the combine I was like holy shit this guy Mm. is like bigger during I mean people won't like it for me saying Derwin James but like (laughs) he is like the modern football player right here. And I see him dropping a little bit because of the uh, 40 times and such. But if he goes top five, I think he'll be the first since Barry. When was Eric Barry drafted? Eric Barry, I don't think he was in the top five. That was 09. I know Sean Taylor went number five in 04. It's not common. No, it's not. We'll see. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By the way, I forgot to ask you when we were talking about Russell Wilson. So are the Broncos good now? They should be good, right? They're good, but they're in the AFC West. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC West, so. You still going with the Chiefs? I oscillate between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I want to see what they do in the drafts, and then there's still like a little bit of moves to be made, I think, in free agency. The Chiefs obviously take a little bit of a step back, losing Hill, but um, 
The Broncos, yeah, obviously home run offseason going to be better. I still have some questions about the defense, which was like weirdly, Dominique and I talk about this a lot. Like we did a, a preview pod where we ranked the NFL defenses. And I think we had the Broncos as like the third best defense in the NFL going into the season. And they just sucked. They had a lot of injuries. But when I look at them now, I'm like, okay, Bradley Chubb, speaking of Edrishers taken near the top of the draft, is he going to be healthy? Randy Gregory, is it going to work out? Um, Sertan's good, but like the rest of the secondary is some questions. So I kind of got to see it all play out. And then a totally new coaching staff, by the way, across the board. Uh, a lot of inexperienced coaches. So we'll we'll see. I, I'm not trying to be a Russell Wilson hater. I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not being that salty ex. I want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. I will say, can I say something salty? I'm glad I don't have to like vouch for his embarrassing shit anymore. <laughs> you, don't do, you don't have to represent. Look the other way when he's like, you know, putting out like videos with Ciara. I, I, I They're just, like, he's doing personality number not three. Not my problem. Not my problem anymore. That's your problem. I do want to say this because you said he's coming down to the Chiefs or the Chargers. I don't know why you're so scared to call the bottom for Tom Brady, but are entertaining the possibility of calling the top for the Chargers. That would terrify me as much as calling the bottom for Tom Brady. Justin Herbert's so good. He really is. He's so good. Speaking of another guy I I missed on, by the way. I mean, I didn't miss on him like Josh Allen missed on him, but I did not think... I watched a lot of his college tape. We didn't miss on Josh Allen because the thing about Justin Herbert was we missed and we knew it the first time he played an NFL game. It was like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, misunderstood. Josh Allen was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yes. Right, like, like he was just giving. Like, I was just like, this is this is what I was trying to say to you, Justin Herbert. It was like, damn, was like, it was like this in college. I well, I think the thing, that, the difference between the two is like with Herbert, I think a lot of I underestimated his situation at or the offense and how much that affected you know his development and what we saw with Allen. What we missed on was his ability to become better, and that's just something you you don't know. Like, no one's you just ever don't gotten know. that much better before ever. Like that was I had history. On one side, and then over here I had Josh Allen, and bless him. Like, I've become the like a Josh Allen legitimate fan because I know how much work it must have taken. And he cool about it. He seems to not care about all the hate, too. Like, I, he's been asked about it. He's like, eh. He's just like a big golden retriever. I don't know. I'm a huge Josh Allen fan now. He also knew he was out there not being that good. Like, he seems <laughs> like the rare guy that when everybody's blowing smoke up your ass, he's up there like, yeah, I guess. And then he went and was like, yo, I have to get much better. Because the way that people were talking, like the, the way that people were so insistent upon glass half full with him, he could have very easily kind of rolled that out and just dismissed people like us as haters. And instead, he went and he grinded. And then that game with him and Mahomes in the division round last year, I mean, that's up there with like that Dolphins Chargers game in 1981, I think it was, the Kellen Winslow game. You know, like it's, it's on that level of look at these dudes go at it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life. Just pure, I mean, and the funny thing is, like, I'm, Mahomes, I think, is the best quarterback in the NFL, consistently, whatever. But that Josh Allen performance was probably the best performance by a quarterback of the entire season. And then he lost it because the overtime rules hadn't changed yet. But, I mean, he was flawless in that game. I you know, because I've always, I had the yeah but on Josh Allen, which is, I think was a fair one, which is, he still in the previous season, in the postseason, demonstrated the propensity for panic, right? Like, all of a sudden, things are funny. Yeah, yeah, do something crazy. I ain't seen none of that, dog. I just saw somebody that was like, okay, I'm not scared anymore. I'm just going to be really big and strong and throw lasers. How'd you like that, guys? I mean, he broke 
the development curve like you know fake news about him was that the default was good for the first two years when it was horrible and then all yes. of a sudden he actually threw he was pretty decent throwing intermediate and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's just fixed it i don't i don't <laughs> it's amazing it's incredible <laughs> never seen never seen anything here's how you know it's rare you don't really hear that many people talking about well, let's see who the next Josh Allen will be. Like, there does seem to be an understanding now that it's all calmed down. Like, yeah, no, nah, man, this is this was crazy. I can't believe this happened. Um, Luke Willis is going to go number two, <laughs> or might, so. I like him a lot. I like Luke Willis a lot, but that's rich. This is a serious question. Is it more improbable that Tom Brady became great or that Josh Allen became great? That's a great question. Because Brady didn't have these things that needed to be fixed. Yeah, but I actually think the Brady... <sighs> these are two really improbable things. The Brady thing is weird. The Josh Allen thing, I think we all understand. We recognize that it's unprecedented, but in a required coaching team, as you described, personal effort, which is what I find also to be like incredibly, like he he was Giannis learning how to shoot free throws, which is why I think people love both of those players because we saw, oh, these guys are, they put in the work. They were already talented, Giannis obviously more so, and then they put in the work to get better at the thing they were bad at. It's amazing. But with Brady, as we were talking about, it's been a roller coaster and that's why it's a little bit stranger. Like the fact that it wasn't just like he did one turnaround, but that he's had multiple times where it looked like he was kind of on decline and then suddenly the roller coaster went up again that's been you know it's funny josh allen is the kind of guy that tom brady would have to ride the bench behind in college right like like a drew henson type talent or the drew bledsoe type but then they both wound up being like improbable stories but hey that is mina Combs. check out the mina Combs show featuring lenny her dog i appreciate you ma'am <laughs> thank you all right now and ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here on the right time thanks for joining us on YouTube, we do this three times a week. Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.